All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode number four, and today we're talking about new books released on June 2nd, 2015. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hey, girl. Rebecca. Hello. It's really summer now. It is, yeah. It's really hot up here in my secret volcano attic. Lair. I don't know, Lair has like an underground sounding quality to it. As I started to say it, I was like, well, I'm really up high, so I guess I can't say Lair. Your tower. Yeah. Your secret tower of books. My book tower. Uh, I just realized that by the time this airs, we will have gone to BEA and come back. We will. We will have seen each other. Yeah. I hope we had fun. I hope we did too. Dear. I hope I come back with all my teeth. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Because we know that wasn't always the case. <laughs> you should tell our, our good listeners the story now. I was attacked by ninja werewolves on right, the bus obviously. on the way down to BEA. The very no, first maybe time maybe another we met. time. Yeah. Yeah. This will be yeah. our, this is my sixth BEA. This and, is my fifth. Okay. And so by the time that we talk again, we'll have gone and seen a bunch of new books that we'll discuss on the show in months to come. Yes. And we will have survived the Javits Center yet again. And hopefully we'll have met some of the lovely people listening to this show. Yeah, I think a lot of them will be there. I think so, too. And we'll get to meet some rioters, I think, that we haven't met before. Yeah, we have so many people writing for Book Riot now. And there's always, it's always fun right around this time of year to get to meet people in person that we've only ever known on the internet. It's magic. Yeah, it's like one big giant family, except everyone gets along. Right. (laughs) It is. It's great that way. (laughs) Yeah. We don't put the fun in dysfunctional because there's not much of it. It's great. There's a lot of fun and everybody's awesome. And yay books for bringing people together. Uh, Speaking of awesome and books, I'm going to kick it off. I'm really excited to talk about this book because uh, when it came out in hardcover, we hadn't started the new release newsletter nor the podcast yet. Uh, So now it is out in paperback today. It is called Bellwether Rhapsody by Kate Reculia. And I absolutely adore this book. And I've also had a chance to get to know Kate since it came out. Um, She is my spirit animal. Uh, She just took her love of things like Agatha Christie and Stephen King and the Westing game. She's a bassoon player. She took all those things and she made it into a book about all those things. Uh, I believe the book was pitched to me as like Agatha Christie meets Glee meets The Shining. And that is, that's exactly what it is. Um, It, It... it's, it's just all this fun stuff that she's really interested in, and she just shares it with us. It totally sounds like if someone tried to generate a novel to your specific reading interests, what they would come up with also. It, it absolutely is, and I, I love it so much. Um, it starts out with this young girl named Minnie, and she's the bridesmaid in this wedding that has just taken place at this giant hotel called the Bellwether Hotel. Uh, and she witnesses this really gruesome murder-suicide in room 712. It's, it's really creepy. And then fast forward to 15 years later, there's a bunch of high school students that Uh, They're musicians, and they're playing in the statewide music festival that happens to be taking place at the Bellwether Hotel. And wouldn't you know it, a giant blizzard is coming. (sighs) Right as Minnie, who is now 15 years older, uh, decides to confront her demons and shows up at the hotel. So now she's snowed in with all these students. Uh, One of the young prodigies goes missing. Somebody thinks they see a ghost. 
Um, basically, all the students and chaperones each have their own dark secret that they're harboring. Uh, it's so much fun. It's dark, but it's also really funny. Uh, it's a little scary. It's the perfect book for the people who loved The Westing Game as a child. Um, and if you haven't read The Westing Game, you don't have to be a child to read it. You can enjoy it now. That is possibly my favorite book from when I was little. Oh, I've never read it. Oh, <gasps> my goodness. It's so good. Yeah, it's it should be it's by Ellen Raskin and she basically predicted reality TV like twenty years before it happened. <gasps> oh, I it, am so there. It's like a bunch of people who are told that they if they have to go live in this one apartment building and solve a murder and whoever solves it gets all this dead billionaire's money. Um, it's really fun. But Kate is a big fan and it shows in this book. It's delightful. It's called Bellwether Rhapsody. Awesome. Before I go on to my first pick, I want to thank our first sponsor this week. Scribd is back. If you don't know Scribd, they are the subscription book service that gives you unlimited access to a library of more than half a million ebooks, audiobooks, and most recently, comics. You can go to scribd.com slash bookriot. That's S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash bookriot to get started with a free month. Uh, that's in the U.S. only. We heard from a couple of you all who seem to be living in Canada, which is lovely. Uh, but alas, this deal is only good in the U.S. for the, uh, the one free month. It's $8.99 a month. Otherwise, after that, for all you can read. This is like the smorgasbord of books in all the different formats, and it's fantastic. Scribd has deals with the major publishing houses like HarperCollins and Simon Schuster and Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and with small, innovative presses like McSweeney's and Counterpoint and Tin House and Melville House. And with your subscription, you get access to all of those ebooks, more than 30,000 audiobooks, and a bunch of comics. And I love Scribd because it makes it so easy to try something new and there's no risk. Like, uh, I, I kind of think of it especially as being useful for whatever the genre is or like the thing you have in your brain when you think I'll read anything but X. Um, people have said that to us at Book Riot a lot about like romance or some people think they just don't like Westerns or thrillers or whatever, but often maybe you just haven't tried any of them and it's preconceived. Um, I was Oh, excuse me. I was that way about romances for a long time. Um, so you can try some with your free month of Scribd. And if you like them, you'll have discovered something new. And if you don't like them, you'll have discovered that for sure. Uh, and there's always something else that you can dive into and give it a shot. You can take a, you know, take a taste of a book, see if you like it. If you do keep going, if you don't, you can stop. Uh, Scribd also has great curated lists from their team of editors to help you find great books to read and then they'll tailor your then they'll tailor your recommendations uh, based on how you rate books so um, they'll recommend stuff based on what you like but also based on what you didn't like so they won't be recommending stuff to you that's similar to the things you don't like it's really great you can try out 30 days of unlimited reading listening and comicsing for free at scribd.com slash book riot and thanks to them again for sponsoring all the books thanks this Scribd. week Yes. So my pick this week is one of the books I've been the most excited about this year, and I'm really glad that it's finally out. And so we can finally talk about it. It is yes. St. Maisie by Jamie Attenberg. This is, so, this is so good. Let's just make sounds about it. Woohoo! <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it starts in the uh, like 1920s, the Jazz Age in New York City, about a woman named Maisie Phillips, who's pretty unconventional for the time. Uh, she runs the ticket booth at her family's theater and uh, is, you know, involved with her sister's life with various men, but she's never married. She doesn't do the conventional, you know, become a wife, become a mother, subsume your own desires thing. That was that was the conventional thing at the time. So she has this career. Um, she does have, you know, affairs and romances in her life and some complications, difficult family things. But through it all, she is constant in her ticket booth at the theater, and she gets to know the people in the neighborhood and really become a fixture in their lives. And as the depression hits, she sort of becomes the saint of her neighborhood. She uh, feels this like calling to help the men who live on the streets there. And the whole book is constructed as if someone is researching Maisie's life like in contemporary times, and it moves between chapters from different people that knew her, different people who knew members of her family. Um, from sections of her diary, and then people like conjecturing about what Coney Island would have been like at the time, or what these different neighborhoods in New York would have been like um, through different decades in the city's history. It's so well put together, and such a—it's just such a delight to read um, and to not know what's coming in the next chapter of who's going to be telling you stuff in the next chapter, and what thing are they going to reveal to us about Maisie or about her family? It's so 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 good. Uh, Jamie's work. Is is wonderful, but St. Maisie just feels to me like breaking into a whole other level of, um, of fiction writing. It's one of the best books of the year. It absolutely is. Um, the, can I say three things about it? Yes, of course. Okay, one, uh, it's really awesome, and it's also based on a real woman. Jamie was reading some uh, old Joseph Mitchell articles in The New Yorker and came across this woman and decided that you know she, she wanted to write about her. Um, the second thing is that it, it covers the Wall Street bombing in the 1920s, which I had never heard of before. I hadn't either. Yeah, that was something that I learned from that. And uh, three, uh, Jamie Attenberg has the coolest dog ever. She does. That's true. Sid. Shout out to Sid. You should follow Jamie on Twitter and Instagram because she's great, but also because her dog is spectacular. Yeah, he's the coolest dog ever. And so that is St. Maisie by Jamie Attenberg. And Liberty, you're up. Yes. Uh, the book I'm going to talk about next is called Land Where I Flee by Praswal Parajuli, which I hope I pronounced correctly. Um, this is a dysfunctional family story. Unlike the book Riot Family, these people are dysfunctional, but it's still a delight. Uh, it's about a woman in India who is turning 84, and to help her celebrate her birthday, her estranged grandchildren have decided to fly in and celebrate with her. Um, they're coming in from London and New York and Colorado. Uh, her grandson, who is one of the uh, kids coming to visit her is a successful oncologist and he is dreading having to go because he expects all of his family to be asking him why he still isn't wed uh, mm -hmm. and he's even more afraid that they will find out the real reason behind his bachelorhood um, and he has two sisters one of whom is a very unhappy rich overachiever uh, she she went to Oxford and she did everything that her parents wanted uh, the other is the black sheep his other sister is the black sheep of the family uh, she eloped and was ostracized by her family because that's, you know, a big no. And it turns out that she's actually the happiest, most well-adjusted member of the bunch. <laughs> of uh, course. So their their collective goal is to get through the celebration intact without uh, too much drama. And uh, they really just want to see their grandmother and receive her blessing and go home, you know, without 
too much fuss, but their plans are ruined when an uninvited fourth guest turns up and starts making trouble. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, but I, I loved this novel. Um, Parajuli has a, a really great sense of comic timing. Um, it doesn't ever get too serious, and it keeps the story really fun and keeps the narrative flowing. Um, it's also a really great examination of his culture and outdated social hierarchies in India, as mm. well as a sharp commentary on changing familial obligations. Like, what would you um, or would you risk disappointing your family in return for what you truly want in life? So great. I love stories that do, Jeff and I call it on the regular Book Riot show, getting the band back together, where it's like a group of friends or a family all coming together for some compressed period of time. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I'm going to be reading Land Where I Flee for sure. And that leads nicely into my next pick this week. Another Uh, of our favorite people. Yes. Uh, And this is in paperback this week, The Vacationers by Emma Straub. Uh, This is about the Post family who go to Mallorca, Spain for a two-week vacation after their teenage daughter has just graduated from high school. Um, The two parents are recovering from an affair, or they're trying to uh, get past an affair that one of them had and, you know, heal and spend this vacation time, like, in enjoying being together and and trying to put their marriage back together or figure out if they're going to be able to stay married to each other. The teenage daughter uh, is looking to lose her virginity and have a romance while they're there. Um, They're joined by uh, some friends of theirs, the mom's uh, best friend and his partner who are trying to adopt a child. And then the couple also have a son and his wife um, who are definitely the biggest source of comedic relief in the book. Um, So they're in Spain for two weeks and the chapters rotate between the different members of the family and the experiences that they're having. Um, some of it's really, you know, really tender and insightful about family dynamics, about marriage, about um, being a young person, you know, who's just about to enter the world and is hungry for all of those experiences that we're going to get to have when we grow up. And and Emma is just so insightful in her observations about humanity. I've loved her writing since her uh, first collection of short stories, and it's been really cool to watch how her career has developed. But I, The Vacationers is just so, so much fun. Um, if you're packing to spend like a week on the beach, especially with your family, I think it's highly validating of whatever family, particular family craziness you're going to have. Uh, and if you're just running away and you want a good story, um, it's it's a really rich setting. It's a really fun, enjoyable, um, but substantial novel. This isn't fluff. Um, it's a, a really, really terrific book. I just thought it was really fun. She's so great. And she's like the nicest person ever. Yeah, that helps. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, now, if I may, Rebecca, I'd like to take you back to BEA 2014. Uh, if you remember back that far, uh, you and I, I had, the, had the privilege of sitting down and having lunch with A.S. King, mm-hmm. which was possibly the most exciting thing that ever happened to me because she is my idol, um, which is like an expression I have a lot of problem with. <laughs> like, you're my idol. Like, what if they don't want to be your idol? You know, like, mm-hmm. you're my idol. Too bad. You're it. You have to be. You know, like, I don't want to be your idol. Um, I've always found that very strange. But she is my idol. I I, I was so nervous to meet her. I was just, I, you were much cooler about it than I was. Uh, and we sat down with her and we had lunch and she talked about her, you know, her new book, Gloria O'Brien. And she talked about having daughters in this day and age and her thoughts on Frozen. And she was just, she was sitting there and went on and on and on. And it was really great. And do you remember when she finished what I said to her? No. I said, you have really pretty hair. <laughs> 
which is like the most embarrassing moment of my life, which I have just shared with all of you. I was so mortified. I think I don't think there's a day that goes by still that I don't go, oh, and just shake my head. She really, I mean, her hair is like spun gold. But anyway, it, it is. So she does have really great hair. You know, this yes. is this is up there with Amanda, our colleague Amanda's story about how she met Jeffrey Eugenides and told him about the uh, roast beef sandwich she had for lunch that day. I was going to throw her under the bus with that, so I'm glad that you did it first. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. Embarrassing author moments. Uh, so moving on. I'm going to talk about her book, Gloria O'Brien's History of the Future, which came out in paperback today. Um, A lot of great books out in paperback today that we just can't pass up talking about. Yeah, it's a big one. Uh, It's about Gloria O'Brien, big surprise. Uh, She is about to graduate high school, and she's not really sure what the future holds for her. Uh, She doesn't want to leave her father. Her mother has committed suicide a few years earlier, and her father has not taken it well, and she's afraid to leave him. Um, And in this strange turn of events she and her just go with me on this she and her friend drink some dead bat dust um (laughs) you know like you do and Mm -hmm. she starts experiencing visions of a future where women are forced to stay home um are treated like property Uh, they have no rights uh, young women are rounded up and put in internment camps um, she's having like all these flashes of this being like the future Uh, a second civil war breaks out um, she starts keeping notes of everything she sees in the hopes that uh, preserving her visions, that by preserving her visions, she can hold off this awful future that she thinks is coming for her. Um, it's a very complex and scary sort of coming of age novel about uh, pressures that society places on young women. Um, it's it's very much like The Handmaid's Tale in that it's fiction. Yeah. But every once in a while, you see something happening in the news, you know, in here or in the world. And it makes those books seem completely believable. It's yeah, really it intense. King, she's so she's so brilliant. And I think she does this magical thing with her fiction where the teenage characters are always dealing with really normal teenage and adolescent questions and problems. And there's that, who am I? You know, identity stuff. What kind of a person do I want to be? How do I deal with my family? How do I deal with friends? How do I deal with being a young woman in today's culture? But then there's a layer of the surreal to all the stories. And in this case, it's these girls finding a petrified bat and crumbling it into dust and mixing it with beer and then having visions. Uh, And there's also just unapologetic feminism, which is a thing that I know both of us value and one of the reasons that A.S. King is your idol. But it's not preachy or pedantic. She she does this really beautifully in her work where she has a a defined perspective that she doesn't tiptoe around at all. um, But it's it's a really powerfully presented through the stories that she tells. I loved Gloria O'Brien so, so much. Also, I'm really glad you picked it this week. Excellent. I just I just do these things to please you. It's really, <laughs> it's really all it is. Uh, and speaking of pleasing you, that brings me to our next sponsor. Uh, it is us, Book Riot Whee! Live. Mm-hmm. Um, in case you haven't heard, you can hang out with Book Riot on November 7th and 8th in New York at our very first two-day event called Book Riot Live. Uh, we will have panels and all sorts of fun programming. Uh, there's going to be a bookish Jeopardy game hosted, I believe, by Ryan Chapman, who is one yes, of the coolest indeed. cats in publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a panel about the many faces of fandom. There's a panel about turning awareness into action, like if you're looking at the lack of diversity racially in publishing or the underrepresentation of LGBTQ people in publishing or in books. Or the way in which books by women are covered in literary publications, that panel is for you. It will talk about all of these things and a whole lot more. 
there's a panel called Farm to Table. I'm really excited for this one, uh, which too. is about how a book gets made, like literally, like from beginning to end. Um, there will be uh, more really fun things like book crafting and a musical performance by the Bushwick Book Club. Uh, we just added a second cocktail party in the Strands Rare Book Room. I think there are still tickets available for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and our fantastic events director, Jen Northington, is still adding awesome stuff all the time. It's all the things you love from bookriot.com under one roof, including the largest concentration of rioters in one place. Yes. I'll be there. Rebecca will be there. Uh, I believe we have rioters flying in from across the pond to attend we do. this time. We yeah. do. It's it's going to be fun. Yeah. Tickets are $169 for this fun-filled bookish two-day event. Go to bookriotlive.com to buy your tickets and check out all the events. Yay! It, oh, it's your turn. Your turn. It is. It is. It's okay. Um, We're like very excited about things this week. And uh, I can see every week our next (laughs) right. (laughs) Welcome to all the books. Uh, (laughs) Our next two titles have some at least something in common in the titles. Uh, My pick is Naked at Lunch by Mark Haskell Smith. Uh, This is so Mark Haskell Smith is primarily a novelist, but he's written some works of nonfiction as well. And this is like immersive journalism about nudism. The subtitle is A Reluctant Nudist's Adventures in the Clothing Optional World. Um, He somehow got interested in nudism or naturism, depending on who you're talking to, and wanted to figure out like, what is it about being naked that's so appealing to people who practice it. Um, so he goes to uh, some of the like most famous nudist resorts in America. He travels to Europe where it really like is the center of nudist culture and tourism. He goes on a nude hike in the Alps where like he wears boots and a backpack and <laughs> nothing else with a group of other people who are nude hiking. Uh, he goes to a resort that you know sort of doubles between just people hanging out, chilling, being naked and sort of uh, sexual hedonism, tourism. And he talks to people who view nudism as like sexual liberation and people who view nudism as political activism and then other people who just like being naked. And he's trying to figure out what's going on here. What's the appeal? This is like if Mary Roach wrote a book about being naked all the time, uh, which is a thing that I would read with a quickness. And it's just, it's funny and it's packed with so many random tidbits of information. Like I am driving my husband nuts being like, Hey, did you know, did you know? Um, Those are the best books. They are. And like, so I learned that in, uh, in Germany, pre-World War II, Hitler and the Nazis bought up a bunch of nudist camps that existed there, closed them, and then reopened them and rebranded them to try to attract um, basically people who fit that Aryan, blonde-haired, blue-eyed stereotype to put them together in naked places, hopefully, or with the hopes that they would, you know, fall for each other and then make <laughs> blonde-haired, blue-eyed babies. <laughs> but, like, who knew that Hitler had a nudist camp? A nudist uh, agenda. Yeah, right. It's so fascinating. Like, I think, you know, nudism in particular is the thing that most of us don't know much about, but you know, it exists. And so this is I I love a book that does a deep dive into something that most people just passingly wonder about. But instead, Mark Haskell Smith spent a couple of years experiencing it and talking to people who live their lives uh, in the different you know, sub sects of the nudist culture. It's really, really awesome. Uh, so that's called Naked at Lunch, A Reluctant Nudist's Adventures in the Clothing Optional World by Mark Haskell Smith. Does he ever mention the expression never nude? 
He does actually like early on in the book, he talks about the, um, the word for people who are actually afraid or who have a genuine phobia of nudity is gymnophobia. And, um, he makes a reference to Tobias Funke and never nudes. Excellent. I mm-hmm. already am giving it five stars just for right, that. This book, this book has everything, naked hiking and arrested development <laughs> jokes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, What's up next for you? My next pick. Yes, it has nudists in it, but it is fiction. But it's called The Nakeds by Lisa Glatt. It's a darkly comic novel um, that starts off on this warm California morning in 1970 when Asher Teller, who is a dentist in California, decides he no longer wants to be married to his wife, Nina, and they're having this huge fight. Uh, He tells her he's been having an affair, or he leaves clues so she can discover that he's been having an affair, and they're having this huge fight. And overhearing this is their six-year-old daughter, Hannah, who is downstairs waiting for breakfast with her family. Um, And so instead of hanging around the house and listening to the horribleness, she decides to walk to school, even though she's only six. Mm. And on her way, she is struck by a drunk driver coming home from a late night of debauchery uh, and left there in the road. Um, Oh, no. The man who hit her is, is a teenager named Martin. Um, he's struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. Uh, he he feels incredibly guilty. He hides his car. Um, he decides he's going to give up drinking, which is not as easy as he hoped it would be. Um, and he visits Hannah. She does live. He visits her in the hospital uh, and sends secret gifts, and he's trying to assuage his guilt. Um, but it's really interesting. It's like a whole. It takes place in 1970. It's a whole different, or I should say, it starts off in 1970. It's a whole different, you know, culture. Like. His parents own a bunch of restaurants, and they're like freewheeling, partying kind of people. And he he mentions you know the, he mentions to them that he wants to stop drinking, and they're like, why would you want to do that? You know, <laughs> which is just it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, so it takes place over the the next decade. Um, he decides to clean up his act, uh, so he goes to Vegas because you know when you want to go straight, that's the place you <laughs> as head for. one does. Um, so it, it kind of follows them as he's trying to get his life together in Vegas. And Hannah uh, grows up, uh, you know, trying to recover from the accident. She has to have a lot of surgeries, a lot of therapy. Um, and, and she's trying to get out from under the shadow of being known as, like, the town's damaged girl because of this accident. Um, and it, it also follows, like, her mother uh, through the start of the sexual revolution. Um, she gets a new husband. She They decide to try uh, going to nudist beaches. Um, it's it's a really great great book. I I, I absolutely loved it. Um, it's ultimately about forgiveness and learning to live in your own skin. Um, and I can always tell when a writer has done a really good job when you know you have this character who's done this horrible thing, and you still like can feel for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have sympathy for Martin even though he's struck this girl and left her. Um, and now it's your pick, which I told was. You had a surprise, so I'm hoping that you're going to. I'm hoping you're going to propose. Is that what it is? Is that well? We're already life partners, so it is not a proposal. (laughs) Instead of a final book pick this week, uh, instead of just picking one, I want to direct our listeners' attention to a list that you wrote this week. (gasps) So I know your ears are burning, Liberty. Just deal with it. Just hang for a minute. Uh, Earlier okay. this week, so well, it's it's May 24th while we're recording this for June 2nd, uh, but earlier this week, the New York Times and NPR both released big lists of summer reading recommendations, and the books on those lists are, are fantastic, and they are worthy, um, but they're 
completely by white people. Um, wah, and wah. yeah, it's like the saddest but most predictable sad trombone story of publishing. Um, and so you, because you are a Velasa reader and a very eclectic and diverse reader, put together a list of 20 more great books to read this summer that did not have any attention paid to them by the New York Times and NPR, but that should have. And so we'll put the whole list in the show notes, but there are some, there's some great ones. Uh, by, uh, sorry, Only the Strong by Jabari Asim, which you say set amid political and social upheaval in 1970s St. Louis, uh, is a riveting tale about characters and a community that's desperate for change. Um, that's also relevant now. Coming out in August is The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison. She's the author of The Inheritance Trilogy, and this is the kickoff of a new series that's a dystopian future rife with danger and darkness. Um, Escape from Baghdad, which you've talked about, um, on, I think on a previous Love show that book yeah by oh. Saad Hossein um Tiny Pretty Things which we talked about a couple of weeks ago Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older is one of my favorites for the summer it's a young adult uh urban fantasy about a girl who um it makes murals and learns that she comes from a long line of people who uh, can put spirits, like can imbue their art with ancient spirits and sort of do magic. And the Book of Speculation is on here, which you've been talking a lot about. There are just tons of great books on this list um, that fulfill Book Riot's mission of featuring diverse books and of helping our readers to, you know, see beyond just the whitewashed lists that everyone else is publishing. And I was really extra proud of you for this list Aww. this week. So I'm not proposing, well, but you. consider it a <laughs> podcasty love letter, and we'll put the link in the show notes so that listeners can see uh, all of your selections as well. Awesome. So, so that's well, my thank surprise. You. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What are you going to read now? <laughs> I just realized this completely fits with the rest of the show. I'm about to start a book called Topless Cellist, <laughs> <laughs> The Improbable Life of Charlotte Mormon. I can't remember exactly how I learned about this book. It just caught my attention the other day. I got it out from the library. It's by Joan Rothfuss. I've never heard of this uh, woman, Charlotte Mormon, before. Um, she was a Juilliard-trained cellist who would do all these crazy performance pieces. She performed naked behind a cello made of ice. She played the cello while dangling from helium-filled balloons. Whoa. Uh, she was a, a guest on the Mike Douglas show very uh, quite a few times. She was just famous for her madcap performance pieces, and uh, she was a big influence on other artists such as John Cage and Yoko Ono, uh, who also happened to write the introduction to this book. And wow. what are you going to read? I am going to read Bright Lines by Tanwi Nandini Islam, which comes out later this year. It's a debut novel about a girl who was growing up in... Bangladesh. Her parents were killed. Um, and so after she's orphaned, she moves to Brooklyn to live with a new family. And the family has a daughter who is kind of the opposite of her. Um, and when she returns one day, one summer to this family's ho uh, home, there's a third girl there who is the runaway daughter of a Muslim cleric. And so the main character and the, uh, the daughter of the family and then this other runaway daughter have this summer together of adventures and of sexual awakening. But then something happens and they go, I believe, back to uh, Bangladesh to try to sort out some things with 
with their family. Um, the note that accompanied it when the, um, I was really lucky that the editor of the book thought it would be a good fit for me and sent me a note and was like, this book is emotionally devastating. And I was like, oh, I will take it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love fiction. That's just going to tear me up. And I think that I've had sufficient time to recover from a little life by Hanya Yanagihara. So I'm going to be reading bright lines this weekend. Excellent. And, and that's, that's our show. Our show. We've done four now. So we're officially doing this. Uh, thanks again to Scribd for sponsoring this week. And if you live in the U.S., you can go to Scribd.com slash to get your one month free trial of the service. Hit us up on Twitter if you need some recommendations. I use it all the time and we'll be happy to point you in the direction of great things to read and listen to and awesome comics. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you have comments or questions. Um, a few of you suggested that we start repeating the titles uh, at the end of each pitch. So we're working on that, trying to do it for you. And thank you, uh, for the suggestion. You can find me on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y, and Liberty is at Miss Liberty. And if you like the show, if you would take a moment to rate or review it on iTunes, that helps other people find it. Uh, there are a huge number of reviews and ratings so far, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to all thank of you who you. have done that and who have said nice things about this new effort. We are having so much fun, and we're glad that you're having fun with us. Absolutely. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today and more books that we have read and all the books ever written and all the books that authors are thinking of writing, uh, we just don't have the time. But you can read more about the titles out today in the show notes and as well as find the link to our weekly new release newsletter where I tell you about more books out today. And that's it. Rebecca, I'll be seeing you soon. So soon. And then we'll be talking again after that. Yes. So, have a good week. Until then, have a good week. <laughs>